When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future. Here comes Luca. Welcome. This is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast that no longer has any interest in talking about Jalen Brunson. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks. And today I'm going to be discussing the Mavericks offseason with Brian Damaris, someone you should know. He's a former member of the Mavericks front office. He's a contributor to D Magazine, and he's the co-host of Take That With You, a Mavericks podcast that actually started under the 77 Minutes feed, um, along with his co-host, Mark Followell, who you, of course, know. Um, But it is now graduated under the Mavericks umbrella of podcast. If you don't subscribe to that, I would highly recommend doing that. Brian, don't let me stop you from talking about Jalen Brunson if you really want to. There were some comments earlier this week in in a presser, and it, you know, you could intuit, you could read into a few things that he said, where it's just like, huh, something happened. But I think until we get those missing pieces of information, I, I just, I, I think, you know, he's a Nick. There's no result of any tampering investigation or anything of that type that would change the fact that he is a New York Nick and not a Dallas Maverick. And I think from a Mavericks perspective, I, I think that we're in safe waters and it's it's time to kind of move on from that whole discussion. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that uh, a lot of the hand-wringing is just, listen, you, you, you lost a big asset and, and people like to play the summer game of who wins the summer. Uh, but... You know, if you look at what Brunson's going to have ahead of him, uh, if this Donovan Mitchell deal does go through, which I think eventually it will when Ainge maybe comes down from six picks to five ones or something like that, Brunson's going to be in a similar situation he was here with a ball-dominant point guard who, if, if my numbers are correct, had, including playoffs, uh, has six double-digit assists in his career games with double-digit assists. So he's going to see the ball even less than he did here. Thibodeau wears people in the ground. He's got, you know, Rose, who's a little personal favorite right there. You could see him eating into some playing time. I think it's going to be a lot different experience for him than what he had here and, and maybe from what he's even expecting there. Yeah, I think that's all fair. And we'll just see what all happens, what comes out in the coming weeks and months. You know, speaking of the Donovan Mitchell trade, and I think this is the right play to, place to start. Um, what I want to do on this podcast is both talk about your opinions about the, the, the moves that have happened, and but also get your perspective as a, as a former front office person, just about how front offices operate in situations like this. But I think we have to start with the question, is this offseason done for the Mavericks? Because as we talk about the rest of the moves, we have to have that framing of, you know, is, is this it? Is, is, are we complete? 
what's your sense or opinion of of whether the Mavericks roster as it stands right now, um, you know, how similar or dissimilar it's going to be on opening day? I don't think they want to have it be done, but it might be done just because, you know, they have to find a deal. Obviously, we're talking about a trade and they've got about 13 million expiring when you add Powell and Milkina together. And then they also have other players that I think they would dangle in talks. But let's be honest, you probably have to add some draft pick compensation to move them. So that means you're taking on probably longer term salary. Is that right fit out there? Is there somebody I know that that because the Kevin Durant trade is taking so long, they want to be involved in the three or four or whatever team deal that is and kind of grab some some pieces that are floating around in there that maybe Brooklyn doesn't want to take back or Phoenix doesn't want to take back or whoever the trade partner is. And so because that is being extended because Brooklyn wants to see better offers, frankly, that's putting a hold on things. That's dampening other deals that could be done because they're waiting for that big chip to move. We saw DeAndre Ayton say, I'm not waiting anymore and and kind of force Phoenix hand there. So, you know, I, I don't know that the urgency is there that, oh my gosh, we have to have this done by camp. You know, you could do it at the trade deadline as well, but I do think that there is a desire to make another move at some point to get that all-star level player, but it may still be an intermediate move to also get to there. There's three ways to build a team through draft, through free agency, through trade. Trade is the most complicated of those three. And the Mavericks have added obviously another level of complication because as you detailed, they're not trying to make a direct trade with another team in all likelihood. I'm sure they're still exploring options like that, but it seems like their likeliest path forward is getting involved in another deal, which they have no control over the negotiations of whether it actually happens in your experience in, in, in the front offices, what is that like to be a team, you know, a to want to be a third team and a deal that is being negotiated through two other sides? Like, do you feel like the Mavericks are checking in often with primary actors, uh, in, you know, franchises uh, in, in discussion here with with Brooklyn, with Utah, with with Phoenix? Is there just constant info gather- gathering about what the potential deals that might happen might be? So the Mavericks can be as informed as, you know, as informed as possible when those deals reach a next level and slide in and be like, hey, here's how we could help facilitate what's about to happen. What does that look like? Yeah, I think what people would be surprised at is is how many times players are involved in trade talks that never go anywhere. Uh, When I was there, the only player that wasn't involved in trade talks was Dirk. Everybody else at some point or another was discussed, even if it was casually. You know, hey, what do you think about, you know, Danny Fortson, whatever, right? And and we, we kind of like him. And so you just make a little note, okay, you know, this team may have interest in a player like this or whatever. And 99.9% of those conversations don't go anywhere. But your information gathering, you're seeing what their needs are. You're seeing what our need, you know, they understand what, how you're feeling about what's available. And it's that relationship building. I mean, we called, I worked for Donnie Nelson. We called every team every day. You just, sometimes it was just check in how the kids, oh, you're going on vacation, but you, you every day you're checking and you never know. So when the Porzingis trade happened three years ago, that didn't really happen out of the blue. We knew what New York wanted. They wanted cap space and picks. We had obviously been expressing interest in Porzingis and for months on end, it was not ready, hang up, not ready, hang up. We, we understand. 
But when that time comes, you've done your business and you're ready to quickly move on a deal. So I think that uh, right now calls are being made. You're talking to agents. Agents know they're, they're the lifeblood of, of this whole thing and they know what's going on and who's really available. You're talking to reporters who are your quid pro coing with reporters who are giving you a little nugget. That they've heard this team once and then you're giving them a little something. It's constantly greasing those wheels and making sure that every, all the constituencies know what you're interested in, what you're willing to do. And so, yeah, it's, it's amazing how, how much effort goes into a lot of things that just never come into fruition, but you've got to be in the game and, and keep being active. Every team, every day. That's, you know, that's just remarkable. How many people are, were involved in that process? Like, is it, was it Donnie making 29 phone calls a day? Like yeah. it's, it's, it, it was really him, you know, yeah. just, but it was Donnie and me in a room all summer. I mean, that every single day, every day we were in that room, uh, overlooking the practice facility with the mirrored window, you know, making calls, writing on the whiteboard, talk, you know, I mean, things like we would have agents say, Hey, I have this WNBA player that wants to play overseas, you know, because they make more money overseas than they play here. That's why Brittany Griner's playing in Russia. They make more money there. And right. can you help? You know, I know you know a guy in China. Can you help place this? You're doing a favor for an agent to keep in good. And so there's a lot of that kind of stuff that people don't even think about that, you you know, is work you have to do. One of my favorite random stories I've ever written at The Athletic was summer 2018. And I was in summer league and I, I talked to a bunch of general managers, assistant general managers, uh, just about being addicted to their phones and how it would try to get away from it every once in a while. Uh, the, the lead anecdote in that story is um, it's Mike Zarin, the assistant uh, general manager with the Celtics. I believe he's still there. He went on a safari in August. I think it was the previous summer in another, you know, he's over an ocean in another continent. And the team bought him a satellite phone just in case they needed to reach out to him at some point. I think the Kyrie deal was happening around then. They're either trying to trade for him or yeah, the Kyrie deal was in away. August. Yeah, yeah. So they wanted to, so they didn't actually have to reach out during his safari, uh, thankfully for him and his family. But, you know, the, the links that NBA front offices will go to, uh, to always have everybody in contact, just the amount of communication that happens. Uh, it's, it's really wild. August really is only somewhat downtime that front offices have. And now that these deals that usually happen in July aren't happening then August becomes the time when you may be on the beach and, you know, work on things because starting September, then you've got Eurobasket, you've got all these other tournaments and, and things like that going on and you're scouting for next year already. So, yeah. Well, the Mavericks, you know, it's, it's not just that trades run into August. It's that trades are happening sooner and sooner. And the Mavericks did that with the Christian Wood trade, uh, you know, the week before the draft in June, uh, really you know, I think kicked off the off-season transaction period, if you will. What did what did you make of that deal overall? I remember feeling surprised that it really only took a first-round pick to clear all of that salary cap and get a player back who's an interesting, you know, interesting asset could, you know, with high potential like Christian Wood has. I remember being a little surprised by that. What what was your reaction just to the deal itself? I loved it. I mean, if you look at it, you know, the Rockets had been dangling Wood out there for a one since the deadline and haven't had any takers. So the Mavs obviously had a roster lock jam that they wanted to get off of and they needed the rim protection and, and uh, ability that Wood has. 
And so when they're putting their board together and they looked at what's there at 26, they were like, well, wood is better than what we would have gotten at 26. We, we're willing to give up that one and we can get off these, these players and, and some future salary in that. So yeah, to me, it's, it's, it makes a lot of sense. Houston, obviously with Sangoon getting up there and the picks they've made, uh, there was no room for wood. He was in the last year of his deal. They're not going to resign him. Why not get something for him? If they, somebody gave him a one, boom, make the deal. Uh, so it's not like they didn't like him. They just, they were crowded. They're going younger. They weren't going to pay him. And I think he's going to really fit well with Luca. Obviously. I mean, he was a 19 and nine guy and only played a handful of games with Harden. So he's going to absolutely flourish as a pick and pop guy role. He can spread. So you can play him with JaVale or with Maxi, or you can play him as the lone big. I think he's going to, you know, a lot of this talk about, should he be starting? I don't care if it starts. I think JaVale plays the, Dwight minutes and, and Woodle's will close games. Uh, and that's what you want. Obviously he's going to have to work on his defense and you hope that that's where the player development side of, of Sweeney and kid can come in there on that end. And um, he's obviously had some attitude problems that have been well-documented, but he's never played on a winning team in a winning environment. And so you hope that again, the culture that, you know, Nico has built all the way down through Jay kid and the staff and the player development guys, the training staff, you know, can help there too as well. So, I really love it. I think, like I said, you weren't going to get anybody better from where you were in the draft. You give up that pick. And frankly, you end up with a player you probably would have selected with that pick anyway later on. I think that's going to really look good. I wrote last week that I'd have been told, you know, Reggie Bullock would remain the starter. And I I hadn't listened to your podcast with Mark Followell at the time, but you guys actually floated that idea out there as well, that... Christian Wood would be, you know, potentially could be coming off the bench and why it would make sense. You, you know, what's funny about that is that I, I understand that somebody saying it definitively, like, like, you know, I had been told and was able to, was going to catch the attention of stuff of, of people and in Twitter specifically. But I had almost felt like Jason Kidd had essentially said that Christian Wood was coming off the bench without actually saying it. Uh, he said that Spencer Dinwiddie and JaVale McGee would be starting. I, I don't think you could look at what Reggie Bullock did last season and the success that the Mavericks had with two wings out there. And also the idea that you don't want Luka or Spencer Dinwiddie guarding either of the top two scoring options on any opposing team and think that there's any realistic, you know, realistic way that Bullock would be demoted to the bench. Even beyond that, you know, there's comments from Jason Kidd saying something about the bench scoring being increased. And, you know, if you kind of read into that, it essentially was was Jason Kidd saying that. So, I, I mean, I, I guess do you have any do you have any thoughts on why that would be decided so early on? Like, what what are those conversations? Why why in, in your estimation, why would Jason Kidd just kind of state that as as early on as he did? And do you think that has any effect going into training camp if, if players already feel like their roles to some degree are um, you know already mapped out for the coming season? Well, I think that I was kind of surprised that some of the, you know, hand-wringing or whatever you want to call it, that they were going to play two bigs together. And, and, and it never really made a lot of sense for me that that was going to be the way they started. I think the reason that, that Jason is taking this approach, you want, you want the roles defined. You want people knowing in the summer what they need to work on and be prepared for going into camp, especially if the front office and Jason know that this is the direction they want to go in. Why play a game and say, well, we don't really know uh, and not have players available for that if, if 
Christian Wood's going to come off the bench. Tell him now, get him prepared for it. Uh, again, I don't and, think. That and Kid did a really good deal. job last season with role definition. Yeah, and I think that's important. People need to know. You know, one of the you know in the previous regime, it was always you could play one game and sit for four, and the motto was always be ready. And that sounds really good, but players want to know what they're in for and 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 what their role is and what's expected of them, and so they can develop that. And so I, I think it's a it's a good move to to have them prepared, know what they want to do, and and have all the cards on the table. I agree. They need the two, three, and D guys together, both of them, so that you don't, you know, you don't have Dimwitty or Luca having to do exactly what you said. Uh, you get that offensive punch off the bench, as I mentioned in my podcast with Followell. You know, you've got McGee coming out early, and Wood coming in. You've got uh, Dimwitty, I think, coming out early so that he can come and play the non-Luca minute. Some wing rotation going from there. So um, I don't know. It makes sense, and I think that uh, he's setting the table so that everybody knows what to expect when, when camp comes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think if Wood does end up being a starter this season, it will be in place of McGee or it will be in place of Dinwiddie and the team will make the decision to keep, they, they will keep the two wings out there at all times. I just, I don't see any way that changes. It, it, it was yeah. too core uh, to the success that the team had last season. And, and it just, it just makes sense to, to keep those. There's you know, certain matchups when you're playing, you know, Minnesota or somebody like that, you may want to start both of them, McGee and Wood, things like that. But for right. the most part, yeah, I think that the two, three and D's, not only because you want to meet you in the corners for those Luca passes, but obviously defensively. Uh, in, in your experience, uh, you know, being in free agency pitch meetings, you know, having some awareness of, of what happens in them, how common is it for a team to promise a starting role like the Mavericks did with JaVale McGee? And what seems like, you know, it was a, at least a factor in his decision to choose the Mavericks. Yeah. I think the, the reality is that sometimes I think that's, that's the key. Sometimes you have to, to get a guy. There are obviously other teams that were interested in McGee. The Mavs knew that they really wanted him. That's why you have a player option third year. That's why you say things like, you know what? We listen, we were planning on starting you. We'll just go ahead and make the promise starting you. We know that things can change depending on, you know, whatever, but um, that's all part of the negotiation of getting a free agent. We know how hard it's been to get free agents here. And if they really wanted this and this was on their list of guys they were going to get no matter what, then they had to do the player option third year and they had to promise a starting role. If you don't have to do it, then you don't. And you don't say anything if you know that you can get that guy. But uh, I don't think it's a case of they did it and they didn't really want to. Right. So the Mavericks have one roster spot remaining. Uh, we talked, you know, earlier about the very real possibility the Mavericks try to get involved in trades. I would imagine for that reason, they're going to try to keep that roster spot open for at least the time being. How does it work with the front office that that does know that there's a, at least a possibility they aren't able to get involved in trades and they will have a roster spot open? Uh, is are they are they having constant conversations with agents of players they would be interested in signing as the 15th player on this roster? in the case that, you know, they can't get involved in these trades is, you know, is, is there maybe even almost promises being made that, Hey, if you don't sign with anyone else a month from now, we got you, we'd like you to be on the team. We just can't commit to that yet. I don't think it goes to that extent. They, they do okay. say you're, you're, you're on a list. You know, they have a list right now. Right. They know who they have, uh, you know, after summer league, they have, they have scouts that, that scout every summer league team, not just the Mavs. 
every scout gets like three teams and they watch every single game. And then last week, everybody got together and they say, all right, we just saw AJ Lawson picked off by Minnesota. I think he's on our summer league team. Well, what did Minnesota do? They scouted Mavs and they said, Hey, we'll give you a two way. And the Mavs could have done that themselves, but they have other people that they want. They have a two way slot open as well. So they have other people that they want to bring in, but they probably are, you know, keeping that and see what happens in camp or, or whatever else. And the same thing with that 15th slot, you want to keep it open so you can do a deal quickly and not just have to cut somebody that, that you already have signed there. But as soon as they think that's not going to come into fruition or they need to sign it, they have their list and they go right to it. Yeah. To my understanding, a lot of what front offices do is make lists, you know, just lists for everything, you know, they already have the list for next year's draft. They've got international lists. They've got free agent Mm -hmm. lists. They've got, you know, a whiteboard with every single team, every single player, what their cap situation is. It's color coded. So, you know, it's the, you know, last year guy or whatever. And you've got to keep on that. It's updated, you know, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a list for emergency signings mid season, you know, whether it's players who are, you know, overseas, but have outs or more likely, you know, a bunch of G league players who it's like, okay, if we get hit with, you know, an injury crisis and, and, you know, who, who could we bring in on a, on a moment's notice if we happen to have a roster spot available, you know, it's, it's list on list on list. And even, even beyond that, you know, there are, you know, there are hypothetical, uh, like planning out or gaming out of scenarios where, okay, if this trade happens, what would this mean for this other team? You know, if, if, you know, if Donovan Mitchell gets traded and we're not part of the trade, which guards are remaining in Utah who probably are expendable and what we could we thin offer, you know, for one of those guys, for example. And so, yeah, I mean, know, like it, Utah's yeah. roster is available now, but it, right. it, it wasn't two weeks ago, but you know, you, you kind of knew going in that they were going to blow things up. So you, they were game planning that, okay, Bogdanovich, all these guys. And then, Oh, by the way, the new guys, they just got in from Minnesota. Now they're, you know, Beverly and all those guys are out there. So yeah, that's exactly your point. Uh, if something else happens that, continues to move a team in a different direction then those players or players they acquire in those deals become available as well and you 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 jump on that i guess i you know i think there's one more thing i want to ask which is just about the idea of of ball hand uh, ball handlers and playmaking and if the mavericks don't sign another player certainly goran dragic was was one name that they you know seemingly told that he wouldn't have a role, even though there seems to be at this, uh, you know, at this juncture, a role that he would fit right into, uh, you know, not in the role Spencer Dinwiddie filled in the second half of last season. Well, JB started, but some sort of role just as a as a shot creator and as a as a playmaker. If the Mavericks don't end up with a player, you know, who can take some of that score, you know, playmaking load away from Luca and Spencer, do you think those two will be enough to? even for the first half of the season, as they as they probably plan to make some sort of deal at the deadline, you know, like I, I'd be worried if one of those two players were missing and whether they would, you know, be able to survive that in even in random regular season games against average players or average teams. Um, you know, this is the conundrum with Luca that he has a high usage rate and can get tired and et cetera, et cetera. But the team works best when the ball's in his hands. So how do right. you keep that balance? As I've said often on my pod, you know, he's at 95% now. I don't want him to go to 50-50, but 
85, something like that would be nice. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's getting his off ball game more improved where he's not just taking the possession off, but he's coming off, you know, screens and, and going downhill and finding other ways to get him going where that additional playmaker is useful instead of just my turn, your turn. Um, so yes, I'd like to see additional playmaker as well as, you know, what you said for injury. I mean, if, if Dimwitty goes down or something like that, then you're, you know, Jaden Hardy's got to run the offense, right? We, we saw Trey Burke kind of fill that role, you know, in a roller coaster way last year. So, yeah. And I don't Dragic, even mean catastrophic energy, injury, but we see Luca picks up a, you know, a few dings each season. He has the past couple of years, certainly. And so, you know, he's going to miss a game here and there. And it's just, if it's just Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, in, in a, in a random November game, it, it, it's just a little bit troubling about how the Mavericks could replicate what makes them so successful, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think the concern with Dragas was just availability and, right. and putting that burden on him. And he's just played so few games in the last few years. And, and so, you know, um, I think it's a situation just like we talked about promises that they weren't willing to promise. We're going to play you every game, you know, that I think health wise, they didn't want to do that. They wanted to have more of a, of a kind of, off day schedule and he didn't want to do that. He feels like he, he, he wanted to go in a different direction. So. Yeah. 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 I would, I would say there is an absolute logic to the team, not signing Goran Dragic. Um The only thing I'd say is that it, it would have, I think it probably would have been ideal not to leave him in a situation where he's making comments, where he's clearly a little bit annoyed about how the negotiations went, especially when his agent is Bill Duffy and uh, Bill Duffy, of course, is the agent also of another Slovenian who uh, happens to be pretty important to Dallas. But I think that's a good place to end it, uh, unless you got anything else for us, Brian? That's it. Like I say, it's that weird kind of time where it's kind of over, but you never know when something could drop. And uh, that's the mode we're in. But everything seems to be slowing down the league with and Kyrie and Russell, where everybody's kind of in a standoff and, and they don't want to, nobody wants to improve their offers. So they're kind of waiting to see. Yeah, I guess we'll see how it plays out. But I appreciate you jumping on. This was fantastic insight. And uh, thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back next week. See ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future, the future is Luca, big dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you have? Don't fight the future, it tears me apart. Don't fight the future, please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh my God! Shut it down! Let's go home! It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. (laughs) Woo!